Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Glad you're here. If you are able, would you stand with us as we spend some time worshiping her song with you?
So we come to you this morning, Lord, and say that you are great. We join with all of creation that proclaims that you are great, that there is none like you. And we realign and recenter our hearts and our lives around that truth this morning. Whatever is a distraction to us, God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you remove that, that we could relinquish that in whatever motive or heart or thought that is not of you, that it would just dissipate now, that we would surrender that to you and come into alignment with your heart. This time is a community that we celebrate you and proclaim and make much of you. God, that it would be so pure and sweet and such a glimpse of heaven and that we'd walk out changed people as a result and a changed community as a result of that. So we bless you, God. May this worship through song be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. So glad you're here. Would you take a moment now and greet the community around you and make them feel welcome? Church. My name is Ian O'Mara. I'm the director of Community Life. You guys are excited this morning. Did you guys get everybody stop by and get coffee on the way in? What happened? The snacks? <laughs> well, we want to welcome you here at La Jolla Community Church. We want to equip everyday people to walk with Jesus every day. If you have one of these, everybody have one, a bulletin? It doubles. It has all the information about what's going on here today and what's going on this week, but it also doubles if it gets hot because the room is kind of full, so you can use this as a fan. Uh, a couple of short announcements I want to uh, draw us to, but first I want to put us in a perspective of how, what it means to connect. We are a church that likes to be connected with each other. We are a church that is rooted in prayer, and if you see in the inside cover is our prayer and connection card. If you're a first-time visitor, come see me after the service, fill this out. We just want to connect with you. We have a free gift. If you've been here for a long time, we just want to hear from you what's going on. And if you're a person that knows other people, you probably have a prayer request. And I tell you, it is a privilege and an honor to get those prayer requests every week and to pray with those who are celebrating and to pray with those who are going through the tough times, even when they're grieving loss or they're grieving jobs or they're grieving finances, that we can cover you in prayer because we have a team that prays for you throughout the week and the staff gets together on Tuesday and prays for every one of these requests. So if you have an opportunity, fill those out. The ushers are going to be coming by in just a few moments. So to show you how this is done, you fill it out. There's a pen there, and then it just magically comes apart and just goes into the basket. And if you have some thoughts, just go ahead and jot those down. We have a lot going on. If you see in the back page, you see our one, two, three of what's going on in La Jolla Community Church. But this Wednesday is our steak night. This Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. How many guys are going to the steak night? Ah, yes. Are, we, are you guys ready? The steaks are being delivered Wednesday. If you're not, there's still an opportunity. Connect with David. His information's right there. Get your steak reserved. It's, excuse me. It's such an emotional thing. <laughs> my, my wife was a vegetarian for many years, so just the thought of steak just brings me to tears. That and connecting with men. It's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to connect and just to sit around a table. We have over 60 guys already reserved. That's 60 steaks. That's awesome. Because if you don't eat it, I will take it home in a doggy bag. 
but it's an opportunity to sit around tables and connect with those that you don't know. That you've seen them in church on Sunday, or you may have never seen them before and say, hey, how are you doing? And just extend that hand. It's going to be a great opportunity. We have another great event coming next Sunday after the second service. It's right there, Parenting Your Kids in Christ. How many parents? Grandparents? You know parents or grandparents? You're a child? <laughs> this, is a great, this is the class for you. This is going to be done by our own Greg Eller. He's a pastor, and he works for InterVarsity, and he blesses people. Um, just bringing the gospel to people. And sometimes it's hard as a parent to kind of instruct your kids how to live a Christ-centered life and how to talk to them about those, those things that the Bible discusses. Because they hear you all the time. Do your room. Clean the dishes. Pick that up. And they don't want to hear the rest of it. But this is an opportunity to create that space to minister to your children. And I guarantee you, if you minister to them, it's going to minister to you. So sign up, be at that class. If you don't, if you forget to sign up, just show up next Sunday and it's after the second service. Also, we have our membership class coming at the end of the month on the 25th. It's from 9 a.m. to 12. This is an opportunity to have a discussion. Pastor Steve and myself will be there and we just want to tell you what's going on at the church. We want to convey the vision, the mission, tell you some of the great, fabulous stories that are happening here week after week. And if you have questions, this is the opportunity. If you're interested in joining the church, this is the opportunity. There's no obligation. The only obligation is that you eat the donuts I bring because there's going to be plenty of them. And there's going to be coffee. It's free food. Just come hang out have that conversation. Also, this year, La Jolla Community Church is turning 13. Wow. We, I want you to save the date. Yes. Someone's excited. There's going to be food there. There's going to be a brunch. It's going to be amazing. You, you think, oh, 13, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal for churches. Most churches don't go past two to four years. We're turning 13. That's big. Give yourself a round of applause. <laughs> we'll save the date. September 9th, we're doing our fall kickoff. We're celebrating our church. We're celebrating in our community about Jesus and what he's done for us. And right now, there's a lot going on. I want to invite Rihanna, our director of children's ministry. She has a special event. So we have a child dedication this morning. I'd love to invite this. Cible family up uh, to join us. And just as a reminder, we've done a few of these this summer and they're just such a joy to be part of. And what I love about them is that it's this two-part commitment where these incredible parents, you guys can join me right up here, are surrendering their children to our loving Heavenly Father. And at the same time, it is going to be fun. <laughs> and at the same time, they're committing to raise their children under God's grace and wisdom. And we know that parents are the primary pastors in their kids' lives. And God has entrusted these children to them. So child dedications, it doesn't secure salvation. But what it is is this incredible, symbolic moment of entrusting a child's life to God's will and dedicating their children shows that they recognize <laughs> <It's you. laughs> it shows that they recognize their kids <laughs> oh. yes that is a wonderful 
so good, it's so good. Clearly, these children are a gift from God, and so their dedication is just dedicating themselves to being godly examples to their kids. So let's get to know this family. I'll let you guys say your name. Um, Dan Seidley. Rory. Rory. Chrissy and Mrs. Piper. Excellent. Nice to meet you, Piper. <laughs> and we have grandparents here. Hi, I'm Mary. And I'm Greg. Wonderful to have you here, awesome. So now that you know the family, they have been coming here for about two years and they are such a joy. They commute all the way from across the street. So as they make the trek over, they make everyone's day. They walk on over and they say hi to Bob Evans and Janet Griffin and sometimes, sometimes, I get a hug from Rory as he's sprinting through the children's ministry area to say hi to Miss Connie. So they're such a blessing to our church family here and such a wonderful family. Uh, but as I mentioned, child dedication is this two-part commitment, and the other part is on behalf of the congregation. Because parenting is a challenge. How many parents do we have in here? I know Ian just had you raise your hands, but we have a lot. Um, and you know that it's a challenge and they don't have to do it alone because here at LJCC, we are a family of families and together as the body of Christ, we get to love, encourage, and support this family through their high and holy calling as spiritual parents to their children. And we do this in a variety of ways, waving to them as they're so adorable, but also serving on Sundays, making coffee for the parents and greeting them as they come through the door and creating a children's ministry environment where Rory and Piper can learn about God's love for them and start a relationship with him. And we support them by lifting them up in prayer and imparting wisdom by those who have been where they are now. So you guys can check in with them, see how they're doing. Um, and as a church body, we're promising to dedicate ourselves to following God so that they know what it looks like and to come alongside these families through the journey of parenting. So before we make this commitment, Dan and Chrissy, um, what does dedicating Rory and Piper mean to you? Thanks, Rihanna. Uh, all right, you want to help me hold it? Hello. Okay. <laughs> um, we, we, so we've been here for a couple years. Um, you know, Chrissy and I actually met in high school, and at that time, um, pretty much the only, the only thing we had in common was that we both had personal relationships with Jesus, and that that was, um, you know, the point of our lives. And that's been, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, and so that's been the real center of our marriage, um, coming up on eight years now, and God's really blessed us with these two kids. Um, and it's our biggest desire to raise them um, to know God in the way that we do and follow him. Um, and so this is kind of us um, kind of publicly inviting everyone to partner with us in our main goal, which is to raise our kids um, to know God. Um, and that's what it means to us. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll trade you back. <laughs> Awesome. So Dan and Chrissy, do you commit to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength and show your children how to do the same? If so, say we do. We do. Awesome. Wonderful. And congregation, do you commit to walk alongside this family as they seek to follow Christ and be an example of what that looks like? If so, say we do. We do. 
Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, join me in prayer for this beautiful family. And you can reach out a hand if you'd like to. Uh, God, we just praise you for the way that you have created Piper and you have created Rory to uh, be bearers of your image, God. And we just thank you for them and the joy that they bring to the world. Um, and Lord, we entrust them to you. We pray that you would just raise them in wisdom and in stature, that they would become more like you every day, that they would be a blessing to their parents and to everyone around them. And more than anything, Lord, we pray that these children will one day decide to follow you as their Lord and Savior. Um, may they also choose to follow you and show each other, show their siblings kindness and grace in your love. And God, we lift up these parents. We lift up Dan and Chrissy, and we pray that you would give them patience and strength and wisdom to parent and teach your ways, Lord Jesus. And we pray for your grace and mercy and your truth over their lives. Would you give these parents discernment and perseverance to love these children the way you love us? And we know that you will provide everything that they need to fulfill their calling as parents, God. We pray that you would strengthen their marriage, that you would be their source of love and of intimacy and joy in their relationship. And may you guide them with wisdom and peace of the Holy Spirit as they parent these kids. Um, Lord, we lift up these grandparents that they also would be a source of wisdom and encouragement and joy and love to this family. And God, this congregation, Lord, would they be a body of believers? And as a body, would they rise up to show this family what it looks like to live fully alive in you? May we contribute the gifts that you've given us uniquely to make this family of families as we rise up the next generation to follow you. We entrust these children and families to you and thank you for them. Amen. Amen, Amen baby Piper. <laughs> So you know them and you uh, know their names. So when you see them on Sunday, say hello. Give Piper the princess wave. <laughs> Give mom and dad a cup of coffee and follow up to support them. Well, thank you, Rihanna. What a, wasn't that awesome? Yeah. That was totally scripted. We were working with her for two days to get that down and she nailed it. Well, that's just that we're an intergenerational church. We're not multi-generational. We all sit in our own little corners and do our own little thing. We're intergenerational. We work together for the Lord. We partner together for his gospel. And at this point, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to receive the tithes and offering. And this is really just a symbolism of what is going on in this community. We've been called. We've been commissioned. We've been sent out to bring the gospel into the nations. That was Jesus' final words to his disciples in the gospel of Matthew. Go and make disciples. So this isn't our obligation. This is our opportunity to partner with him in this community. So let's continue in worship with giving and song.
series of renewing. We're going to talk about renewing our love this morning. So would you welcome Pastor Steve this morning? Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you. Hope you're having a good summer. Uh, summer is supposed to be a time of refreshment, renewal. So last month, our series was called Refresh. Uh, this month, we're going to be talking about being renewed. Uh, Ian got me thinking about the fact that it's the 13th anniversary of the church and uh, churches only last two or three years. I think it's because they eat too much steak and not enough tofu, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that steak is gonna take you out every time. Um, whether you eat steak or tofu though, you need to be refreshed. Uh, you know how it is when you get really thirsty and you just feel like the energy is drained out of you. You know how it is when you get really hungry. You might not even notice because you've been really busy, really focused on other things, too busy to eat, too preoccupied with maybe a big crisis emergency or just a deadline you're trying to reach. Uh, but then you realize, oh, I've got to eat. When, you're, when you eat, you're renewed. Uh, how many of you have ever run out of gas in your car? Uh, this is a common thing. Um, I've run out of gas once in my car, and it was because it was a new car. I had no idea that when the red thing, when that little red lever was down in the E, it actually meant it. Um, uh, I thought the E was in joy. And, and, uh, so when the guy from AAA showed up, he goes, new car, huh? Uh, yeah. You see this slide, he goes, no. <laughs> well, okay, it's me then. Uh, I was going to the second happiest place on earth uh, this week, and uh, uh, there was a guy, it was early in the morning, and there was a guy uh, on that, when you get off the 52 and you're going up Genesee toward uh, eventually Home Depot, uh, there's a guy on the side of the road, this really awesome new Audi with a beautiful surfboard on top, standing on the side of the road, looking nonchalant, I thought, does this guy need help? But he's looking nonchalant, kind of like, you know, looking around. But I realize he's looking nonchalant because he's completely embarrassed that he's in his T-shirt, shorts, flip-flops. And he's got this red emergency gas can. He's kind of putting gas in his car, kind of looking like he's not doing anything, right? He ran out of gas. Very, very embarrassing to do. Uh, I saw this beefy-looking SUV, uh, like a combination truck SUV sort of a thing. Big wheels raised up off the ground. Eight surfboards on the top of it with a bunch of other stuff that obviously the person is camping on a road trip. And um, the, there's a bumper sticker on the back of, the, of, the, of this truck. It says, no surf, no life. And I'm thinking, that must be a hardcore local guy. And I'm looking, he's Missouri. <laughs> Missouri? This guy lives in Missouri and he has that bumper sticker on his truck? This guy is unhappy most of the year. I didn't think about it. If there's no life without surf, man, you are in trouble. You need more renewal and refreshment than, than that bumper sticker indicates. Uh, we all need this. We all desperately need to be refreshed and renewed. Uh, we don't have enough of what we need in perpetuity. We all leak, right? We all evaporate. Uh, however it works uh, in your life, you find yourself getting depleted and you think, well, maybe, maybe it's me, maybe I've done something wrong. No, what you've done is you've maybe stopped feeding and refreshing and being renewed. So we wanna talk about that. And uh, to do that, 
We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 21. Six reasons you can be refilled and renewed by God's love every day. Uh, I love this passage, and as I looked at it, six things jumped out of me that, that, that spoke to me about being renewed and refilled. And so Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. If you have a bulletin, look on the back, and I've given the verse... Uh, for each of these six reasons. And I've given you the reason, and, and I've, I've framed them as an affirmation. So here's what I wanna invite you to do. Uh, this week, <clears throat> memorize one of those every day. Uh, you can do it if you just memorize one of these every day. And so the first one would be the first affirmation, right? God is my heavenly Father. And then memorize that verse. For the reason I kneel, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So what you could do every day uh, starting uh, today or tomorrow, between now and next Sunday, uh, say that affirmation. God is my Heavenly Father, or God, you are my Heavenly Father. Uh, make it a prayer. Lord, thank you for being my Heavenly Father. And then, just to reinforce that, memorize this first phrase. And you might think, oh, I don't do memory very well. Well, just break it down. Uh, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Just say that all morning, in between whatever you're doing. Write it down. The whole verse, but write it in two phrases. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. By the end of the day, you'll have an affirmation and the scripture to support it. I guarantee that this is going to be one of those ways that God will start to renew you and refill you. Why? Because we are refilled and renewed by truth. Not just disconnected, detached ideas, concepts, theological abstractions. We're renewed by the, the, the very alive and abiding presence of God in us, and his word reminds us clearly uh, to whom we belong and who we are. Um, this is, this is the, to me, the right form of mindless, uh, mindfulness. You hear a lot about mindfulness. Probably everybody here is bombarded with, hey, be more mindful. There's, there's whole institutes at UCSD and, and hospitals now about mindfulness. Mindfulness without content is a fiction. It's a, it's a, it's, it, is, it is a deception. Here's why. Not that mindfulness is bad. It's just that what are you doing with mindfulness? Typically, mindfulness says, I don't have feelings about what's going on. This is what's going on, but I'm not going to get wrapped up with my feelings about this. It's, that would be a form of denial. Mindfulness as a concept is brilliant, but mindfulness as, as a way of life is being connected to the one who shaped your mind, who created your mind, who wants to fill it with his thoughts. That is God. So what I would say is when you think about mindfulness, embrace it fully and enthusiastically and say, I need the content of God's word to shape and transform my mind, my heart, um, my, my spirit, my strength. And so mindfulness is a powerful and productive tool that God wants to give you. In the Bible, it's called meditation. Meditate on his word day and night. The psalmist keeps saying, I meditate on the Lord's word. All that means is you're, you're like a, a, you know, a, a cow chewing it Chewing it, chewing it, so that it breaks down and it becomes part of you. You internalize it. And so that's why memorizing the scripture uh, is so important because it's one way of being refilled and renewed. And so if you do this every day, each of these phrases, these affirmations and the scriptures that support them, by the end of the week, I think you're going to find that you have a, 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 a slightly, if not radically, different perspective on who you are and who you are in Christ. Now you might say, well, I don't even know if I believe this stuff. Well, then... Just as an exercise in being open and, and uh, receptive to the possibility that this actually might be God's word and God himself might want to be speaking to you about it, 
do this exercise. And then let me know next week how it went for you. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or you don't know if you even believe that he exists. That you would do this exercise and see if, in fact, you don't start to feel renewed and refreshed um, by the word of God. Why? Because he allows us to feel the pain we need to feel. He allows us to understand that we're in a real situation that has implications. You might be having very big feelings. It's not, um, <clears throat> it's not irreverent to say, my life sucks. It's irreverent when you say, oh, no, everything is great in my life, and it's not. Because God loves the fact that we can be open and responsive to him. We can be honest about where we are and where we're not. So at least the guy standing on the way to Home Depot nonchalantly putting gas in his car was actually putting gas in his car. Versus nonchalantly just leaning out and going, oh, yeah, it's a great day, good to see you, yeah, yeah. And pretending he wasn't out of gas, right? And so let's walk through these briefly as we prepare to come to the, the Lord's table. Holy Communion, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, uh, whatever uh, you want to call it because the scripture refers to it in all those ways. So six reasons you can be refilled and renewed by God's love every day. We already touched on the first one. God is my heavenly Father. Paul writes uh, to the Ephesians, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family on heaven, uh, in heaven and on earth derives its name. <clears throat> Paul was in one of the lowest points of his life writing this letter. In this letter and in his letter to the Ephesians, we get this insight in the fact that he was at a very low ebb. Emotionally, uh, uh, physically, he'd, been, he'd gone through a lot of tough stuff. Uh, economically, uh, uh, you know, in every way. Spiritually, he's probably feeling a bit deflated. Look, all these people I've been investing my life in have turned on me. He's, he's relationally in conflict with people, et cetera, et cetera. And so what does he do? Uh, he says, this is what we do. We turn to the one who knows us better than anyone else. The one in whose image we're created, the one that we're alienated from because of our sin, but who, uh, as the song said, loves us unconditionally. He is, he is withholding no good thing from us as we respond to him. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, the Father who loves me, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. This is a radical observation, a radical statement from a true blue Jew, Paul, writing to Jews and Greeks. He's saying, you know, God is above every culture, but God works through every culture. You know, if, if, if every culture, just like if every person came alive in Christ, they'd be a better version of that culture. Just like you'd become a better version of you. Uh, you, you think, well, no, all cultures are supposed to become westernized in Christ. No, they become who they are in Christ. They become a better version of Mexican or Afghani, Moroccan, Singapore and Indonesian, whatever state or city or, or, or geographic area you want to talk about. Why is that? Because God is, is, is the one from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The Father himself. The Father can be known, and the Father has taken the initiative that we could know him. And so Paul says, this is where I begin. When I want to be refreshed and renewed, and when I want to refresh and renew others. And so Paul really is praying to the Father on our behalf, because he knows that's the source of our renewal and our refreshment. If you have questions, doubts, uh, pursue those. Be real about those. Be honest about those. But don't use those as an excuse to push away the only one who can refresh and renew you and fill your mind with, with, with deep thoughts 
that are transformational because it connects you to your own heart and to the heart of God. Second pointer, God makes us alive through his spirit, Paul tells us. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's an internal transformation that unites our entire being. A psychologist would call this congruency. When our inner world and our outer world come together congruently, who we are inside is who we are outside. We're not faking it till we make it. We're not spending all of our energy promoting and, and, and sustaining an image. That's an exhausting assignment. That's one of the things that, that robs us of refreshment and renewal because we're so caught up in trying to convince the world that we're okay. Rather than saying, you know, I am who I am in Christ and he is making me okay. And therefore I can face the stuff that is going on in me that I'm not, I am ashamed or embarrassed about, as the song said. See, out of, out of his glorious riches, God has all the content uh, we need, all the capital, emotionally, intellectually, etc., for us to be able to be strong in his power through his spirit in our inner being. Inner being meaning he's bringing us together. He's giving us a wholeness, that shalom uh, that the whole Old Testament is talking about, that Christ is the peace of God. It brings together the wholeness of who we are. Uh, the Hebraic concept of life is not the bifurcated Greek concept. Uh, we live in a Greek mindset in our culture. The Hebraic concept is we're made as a whole. You can divide out the parts, but then you lose uh, the identity of who we really are. We're a whole being. Uh, and so it all comes together as God himself knits us into this integrated whole that, that allows us to be congruent. We don't have this mind-body uh, disassociation. And therefore, everything about being a human being, uh, we bring to the Lord. You don't hide things from him. Well, that doesn't sound very spiritual, I'll hide this from you. No, God wants to know uh, that he knows about all of us and wants to transform all of it so that we become the, the most um, you know, alive version of who we could possibly be. So that's why he's, he makes this prayer. Uh, this is God's gift of love being in a practical way worked out in our lives. The third thing he says, and by the way, um, well, so the third thing he says is, by faith, Jesus Christ lives in me. So he says, um, uh, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. By faith, Jesus Christ lives in me because God is making me alive through his spirit. So that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. Um, again, this is a statement of this inner work that God is accomplishing so that we can have an engagement with the world that comes out of a place of wholeness and authenticity and not a fake us trying to make our way in an equally fake world. Are you attentive to God and teachable before him? There's no uh, humiliation in being humble enough to say, Lord, I need what you alone can provide. I have needs that I need help from other people uh, uh, in order to grow. Um, perhaps you see the little book, it's called My Heart, Christ's Home. Uh, written by a fellow named Robert Munger, who was a pastor up at Berkeley for many years. He's deceased now. Uh, he was influenced uh, uh, by a lot of great people in his life who were mentors, and, and he became this super amazing pastor up in Berkeley. And it, but at the same time, he was, he was just worn out. He was. He was preaching constantly, and at that point, they had a morning service and a Sunday evening service. So by Sunday night, he was just so tired, uh, and, and so he thought, you know, I, I'm, the text uh, was supposed to be this verse, uh, verse 17, so that Christ 
might, might dwell in your heart through faith. And he thought, man, I just, I'm just going to, you know, uh, get through the, the service. And so he, he, he just started riffing on what would it look like if you saw Christ as one you invited into your home. And let's walk through your home, your life as a home. Let's walk through all the features of your home, your life, and see what Christ would want to do in that. And it became very, a very powerful conversation he's having with the congregation, so to speak, as, as they're responding to this. Yeah, that's very practical. Well, at the end of it, he's mortified and shocked. He's in complete horror to realize that he sees, walking toward him, a woman named Henrietta Mears. Now, Henrietta Mears was a formidable woman. She was a one tough lady who wore funky hats, outrageous hats. But she was a brilliant Bible teacher, and she was uh, involved in a church in Hollywood, at the time the largest church in the United States, Hollywood Presbyterian Church. And she was reaching all these students at UCLA and USC, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students, and shaping so many future leaders like, like Robert Munger. And her big thing was teaching the Word of God, teach the Word of God. And as she walked toward him, he thought, oh no, I riffed on this scripture in this very informal way about inviting Christ to live in your house. It wasn't really a deep, you know, theological sermon. She's coming up to, to correct me and scold me. Now, the reason she was so formidable is that she had raised up all these people that went on to do things like create Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Campus Crusade for Christ. And she created, she needed a camp, campground, uh, so she created Forest Home. She needed a publishing company, so she created Gospel-like publishing. She, she was this amazing lady. So he thinks, oh no, this is not gonna go well. And she walks up, she, and he's expecting her to say, Robert, you know, kind of thing. And he sees her, he says, ah, and, and everybody called her teacher. And so he said, teacher, so good to see you. She goes, Robert, I want to talk to you about your sermon. He said, I know, I know. She said, it was brilliant. That touched me so deeply. It moved me from living out of my head to moving into really the heart that God wants to inhabit. He said, you've got to publish that. And, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it is still the most published pamphlet booklet of all time. And InterVarsity, uh, he gave, Robert Munger gave the rights to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and they continue to publish it. This is a very profound concept. It's not dumbing down the gospel to say, you know, Jesus wants to live in your heart. It's, I hear this mocked every once in a while in, in our secular culture. Oh, I know, you invited Jesus into your heart. Like, what, what more trivial thing could you say? How trite can you be? Until you start thinking about it. Yeah, I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. I invited the God of the universe to refresh me and renew me, to transform my thinking. Not to make me dumber, but to make me smarter. Not to close me off, but to make me, make me curious about the world that he's created. To want to explore all the possible implications intellectually and morally and emotionally and economically and socially. To go deep, right? And that's what he says then as the fourth affirmation. Jesus' love gives me power to take initiative because he lives in my heart. And I pray, Paul says, that out of his glorious riches, excuse me, that, that I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, being grounded and anchored in love, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. power to take initiative, to say, yes, I want to receive what God is offering me. 
I love the way Dallas Willard says it. Spiritual transformation into Christ-likeness is not uh, going to happen unless we act. What transforms us is the will to obey Jesus Christ. It's this positive response to his initiation, to his gift. It's receiving the gift. There's no valor. There's no you know, nobility in saying, I don't need what God is offering me. I'm too smart. I'm too, I'm too you know, intellectually formidable or whatever. No, uh, that's called hubris. That's the pride that goes before the fall. It's that kind of arrogance that keeps us walled off and, and does dumb us down because we hold on to very small ideas that we can control. See, God wants to destabilize the small ideas that hold us back from understanding him and walking with him. He wants to blow our mind in the sense that I had no idea it was that big. It was that awesome. I, I hold in high regard people like Stephen Hawking, and Stephen Hawking has given us a tiny glimpse into the complexities of the universe. I, I love the fact that there are people mapping uh, and now, now taking the human genome and applying it in creative ways. They've barely begun to scratch the surface of what we know. Are these substitutes for God? No. These are because God gave us a capacity, if we're humble enough to say, Lord, what do you want to teach us? What do you want us to know? So initiative overrides our natural passivity, our indifference, our hostility, our arrogance, our sense that, no, I'm self-contained, I don't, I don't need you. And so we start to walk in grace and love by active faith. Active faith reads and thinks and prays and listens and learns and contributes and loves and lives deeply. You want to go deep in your life? Get refreshed and renewed by the living God. There's no question you cannot ask, no issue you cannot raise. And things that seem intractable and not possible to resolve, he will lead you in a process of coming to terms with those things. Not by dismissing them or denying them, but by engaging in them. And so that's why it's, the fifth affirmation is this. Jesus' love transforms me. Paul says, uh, here's, the, here's the idea. That we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. How can love surpass knowledge? Because love is uh, transformational. Knowledge is informational. Love thrives on knowledge and truth. But it takes knowledge and truth to a place that left without love, they can't go. If you have the smartest person in the room with you, it's insufferable. If you have the most loving person in the room with you, it's awesome. And I love when I meet people who are, 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 are disciplined enough to really think critically and to, to love learning so that they can learn how to love. That's powerful. That always has a social impact. It's not an end in itself. I know so much, no more than you. It's that I'm learning so much that God's love is bigger than I could possibly understand. So love is never devoid of knowledge. It never discounts knowledge. If you ever meet somebody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, I don't need to know anything but what the word of God says. No, it's like saying, I, I never need to go past the front door of my home. I just stand in front of the door of my home all day. But no, <laughs> the idea is now that the word of God has shown you where your home is, go in and thrive there and then come out and engage the world. That's what it looks like when you go the distance. And that's what Jesus' love does to transform us. We become right-sized to God's measure, not ours. Because my measure is always small enough for me to control. It's a very small world. It's a very small self. And I need you to be very small so that I can control you. Not be intimidated by you, right? 
Instead of saying, God is blowing my mind. I'm starting to, to see how awesome he is and to understand and appreciate the people around me that I can say, these are the people God is gonna use to inform me and to encourage me. That's why what Dan and Christy did uh, is so wonderful. Look, we're committed to these children. We brought them into the world. We're committed to raising them and influencing them. Would you help us? Would you encourage us? Would you walk with us to be our partners? Now, we do that symbolically, but I know that there are life groups where people are close enough to actually do this on our part, on our behalf. We all said it as a family of God saying, yes, we're for you, because that's what the family says. And within that family, there's people who specifically are invited to come close to them and walk with them, and that's powerful. And so their world is going to be bigger for that. Their children's world is going to be bigger for that. And so finally, the affirmation, I am God's partner in blessing the world. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. All this transformation through the refreshing and renewing of God's love in us made real through a mindfulness of his truth, made personal through the presence of his Holy Spirit, supported and encouraged by his people, puts me in a place to actually say that, God, what do you want to do in me and through me to bless others in your name? As I learn to honor and glorify you, the real me, <laughs> going through the real things I experience, my real inconsistencies, uh, Lord, what is it that you want me to do in your name on behalf of other people? What have you put in my hand that I might not have even noticed could be used to bless other people? Now, uh, I don't know if how many of you have read this phenomenal book uh, by Bob Goff, a New, New York Times bestseller called Everybody Always. Uh, it's a book about love. Everybody Always. I love the book, um, but realistically, um, the book is meant to capture our imagination about being fully motivated and informed and transformed by the love of God. Uh, probably you're not going to love everybody always. But it's the right perspective. Because the alternative, of course, in a binary world is nobody ever. And that would not be a good alternative, right? But, but to love everybody always is not this assignment that, you know, if I don't love everybody always, I fail. But rather it's this. As I start to be refreshed and renewed and to go deep in the love of God, made real through Christ, empowered through his spirit, guided by his word, in the company of his people, what happens? I, I start to love more people more often. Uh, as Steve Hawes talked about a couple weeks ago, I start to even love the people I hate, who I consider enemies because they're so annoying to me or hurtful to me. So you might not love everybody always, but you can probably love more people more often, starting with you. You and I need this desperately, like we need water, like we need food, like we need fuel for our car. This is the fuel. This is the fuel that allows us to be everything that we yearn in our deepest heart of hearts to be and what the world needs us to be. What does the world need? More people running around doing nice things, certainly, but more importantly and most importantly, what the world needs is people to be alive in Christ, filled with his love, motivated by it, thriving in it, so that when we come into the presence of other people, we're bringing that love with us in word and in deed. And when asked, what is it? What is it about you? We don't have to come out with fancy arguments. We simply say, let me give you a reason for the hope that is within me. 
and we can point them likewise to the God who loves them unconditionally and wants to give them a life that otherwise would be out of reach. So Lord Jesus, that's our prayer. That's my prayer for me, for my brothers and sisters here. We thank you, Lord, for taking the initiative that we can even make this prayer, knowing that you will answer it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. This brings us to a, a time of communion. And I just I think this is the perfect message to really reflect on what Christ is doing in our life, where he's living in our heart. What are we doing with that? So as the communion service come forward, just think about it. What is Christ doing in our lives? Communion is, is a representation, our, is our chance to remember what Christ did for us on the cross by sacrificing. But through his sacrifice, he birthed the new body of Christ, which is us. On the night he was in the upper room with his disciples for the Passover, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. And he put up the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just sit and just think about the sermon. Think about what Pastor Steve said today. But for the rest of us, this is our chance to commune with him, to commune with the body of Christ, all for the glory of his gospel. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Lord, help us to reflect on your sacrifice. We just ask this in your holy and precious name.
Uh, have you ever put your trust in the Lord? Uh, if you have, then continue to walk in that trust. Uh, when, you, when you feel depleted, don't say, I guess I don't trust anymore. Say, Lord, fill me. Renew me. Refresh me. Uh, if you've walked with him and then walked away from him and you think, I, I can't come back. I, I, it's too embarrassing. Uh, forget that. Come back to him. He welcomes you uh, because he loves you. Uh, maybe you're wrestling with big questions. I don't know if I believe this stuff, yet I know in my heart of hearts it's true. And there's something compelling me to want to know more. Then go with that and come close to him and let him walk you through all those doubts and all those questions. Doubt's not the opposite of faith. It's the cutting edge of growing in faith. And don't do this alone. Let somebody in close to you, to listen to you at least, to converse with you, to process with you, perhaps to provide resources for you. Yes, you've done everything you can do, but there's more to be done. And there's lots of people who will help you in that process. So don't leave today without making it real clear that you are learning to receive the love that you were made for. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us uh, his love and his life one day at a time as we walk with him in newness and fullness of life, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah.